when things go bad, there's always a silver lining, even if you don't see it at the time. Hello, hello, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 270 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course... Have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Brianna Cope. She is a pro surfer that, from the outside looking in, totally has it all. She's absolutely stunning. She's super athletic. She lives in a picturesque place in Hawaii, and she is truly loving her life immersed in sport. But in today's episode, Brianna gets real. She talks about enduring teasing, bullying, and really struggling with self-image because of a deformed left hand, an irreversible birth defect that took her parents and doctors by surprise. Brianna shares with me her journey to self-love and when she finally got to a place where she didn't feel as though she needed to hide her hand anymore. This episode is drenched, absolutely drenched in themes of self-acceptance and where there is a will, there is truly away. Today, Brianna is determined to live by example, to be proud of who she is, the woman that she's become, and the tenacity that it has taken to rise above the physical challenges, the emotional challenges that go hand in hand with something that you cannot change in pursuit of your dreams. In her case, becoming a champion surfer. Now, Brianna also has another really big goal on deck, towing the starting line for her first ever marathon. Marathon, the New York Marathon here on November 5th. I'm so excited to be able to cheer her on in person. And fun fact, you can actually join Brianna and Strava and my friends at Together and me all weekend long, New York City Marathon weekend at The Lot Radio at the corner of Nassau and Banker Street in Brooklyn, right by McCarran Park, Williamsburg, prime location. We're doing a shakeout on Saturday, November 4th. That shakeout starts at 9.30 a.m. And then at 11 a.m., I'm going to be hosting a panel discussion with three badass women to talk about their personal journeys to the New York City start line and what they've learned from this experience and from each other. It's going to be super inspiring, and I really hope to see you there. Trust me, this might be exactly what you need to garner the inspiration to go after your next big goal. The link to RSVP to this shakeout, to the panel discussion. Again, it's on Saturday, November 4th at The Lot Radio. It's in the show notes. You can also get more information by joining the Together Club on Strava. Again, as a reminder, that's T-O-G-E-T-H-X-R. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle. That's over on social media at Hurdle Podcast. And I'm over at Emily Abadi. Plus, subscribe to the weekly Hurdle newsletter that links in the show notes as well. By doing that, absolutely free. You can get a lot of the same inspiration, motivation, things that you love about the show directly in your inbox every single Friday. And with that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. Hurdling. 
Today, I am sitting down with Brianna Cope. She is a pro surfer. How are you doing today, Brianna? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm honored because I've listened to you on the only one other podcast you've ever done, but this is about to be so epic because it's your real true foray, I would say, into the medium. For sure. I'm really excited. I was super nervous when I was telling you earlier, but I'm really excited and thank you for having me on here. I think I am your first pro surfer, so I'm really honored. You're, well, no. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I know you guys are cool, so it's okay that I tell you that Carissa Moore has been on the show. Sure. Okay, well, that's a good person to have, so she can have a title. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It, it was fascinating to talk to her because candidly, I mean, I grew up in Connecticut. I spend most of my time in the Northeast. I have been to Hawaii, but I don't know a whole lot about surfing. So it's always fun to to hear about it, to get the perspective and honestly just appreciate such a different pace of life that you live there. For sure. We're definitely like, I love New York, but it's the polar opposite of Hawaii and like how I grew up. So every time I go there, I feel so alive and I'm like, this is amazing. And then when I come home, I go back to like being a turtle, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) A turtle. We appreciate turtling. Sometimes you've got a turtle to protect your energy and protect your mental health though. For sure. Definitely. I can easily get overstimulated. So I need a turtle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're making it into a verb. I I want to be honest with you. When I was doing research on you, um, so I watched your Apple TV documentary that came out in 2019. It's called Surfing to Cope. Great play on words there. And in the documentary, you talk about your birth defect and say that when Googling, and we'll get into all of this, it's like the third thing that comes up. And candidly, that didn't happen for me. So it was actually quite interesting for me not to learn about that birth defect until I watched the documentary. Yeah, I, I think because that was a long time ago. And um, I was a little younger. And I was so shy about it. Like that was the first time I ever spoken about my hand. Like previously, I always had it closed. And Um, Katie, the director of the show was like, we should do this. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready. But um, honestly, it's like helped me so much talk about it and realize like, I think when you're holding whatever in so deep in you can never like really be who you are. So I'm so glad that that happened. But it was definitely a a hurdle, I would say, for sure. Yeah. And understandably so. You talked about going through so much bullying at a young age because of your situation. For those that may not be familiar, talk to us a little bit about that so we can kind of dive in. For sure. So I was born with like a small hand. So um, that's why I fell in love with surfing. It's like a full parallel to my life. But um, being born with something so different that people can like point out and make fun of, I think that's what really hit home for me because I would just be like, why am I different? Why are these other kids? Like when I was a kid and I was home before I went to school, I thought I was normal. And then I was like, weird. My parents have two hands. My sister has two hands. They're so weird. And then when I went to school, I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm the weird one. So I just, over time, like in my kid photos, I would have my hand out and then over time it would just be closed. So till I was about like 18, I just closed my hand always. And like, actually still to this day, um, not that many people know this, but my hand like automatically kind of starts closing because it was closed for so long. Yeah, it just was a really, I would say, the biggest blessing though. I'm so glad that I had something that like taught me like to love myself and to be strong because it's definitely what 
uh, led me to surfing. Talking about it more often being closed, it's that muscle memory, right? You spent so long trying to hide that and trying to make it appear in a certain way that now to this day, it still just lingers in that form. For sure. And I think that like now I don't, I make jokes about it. Like I have fun with it. And um, it is super meaningful because I've had a couple kids with the same hand as me reach out. And like, that's been the highlight of my whole career is like hearing them being like, oh, you inspire me. And I'm like, wow, that's super special because I know what they're going through and that they have someone that has something similar that they can talk to. Like, it's what really makes me happy. So, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a tough time. I I have PTSD when I think about it. I'm like, oh, that was a rough, rough time for me. So when you say that time and you reflect about the most difficult period, would you say it was that elementary to middle school? Or do you believe that that really carried on with you as you got into your later teenage years? I definitely think elementary through middle school is my hardest. And like I talked to my mom about it a lot. She said that was the most that I would like go home and cry. And that's like literally right after school, I would go into the water and I would surf till dark. And my parents would call me and I would do it every single day because surfing was the one place that no one asked me about my hand. No one bothered me. Like I just felt so whole and like the ocean was like where I felt like I belong. So I just spent all day there. Literally, <laughs> My parents would be like on the beach, like come in, like it's time to go. But till this day, I still run out to the water. If I'm having a bad day, good day, I just feel like it's where I go to um, just be myself. Talk to me about your introduction to surfing and what it was like for you at first getting into the water. First off, like I was a water baby. All my baby photos, I'm like in the water floundering. I started surfing because my older sister Gabby started surfing and I was four years old and I asked if I could go with them and my dad um, and sister were teaching me how to surf. And that's like my first memory of surfing. And it's pretty funny because I've tried a bunch of other sports and I'm not good at them. And when I first tried surfing, obviously I was horrible, but like there was no other feeling that I wanted to keep going. Like when I would try like another sport and I'd fall, I'd be like, this is not fun. But surfing, I'd be like, I can't wait to try again. So I just fell in love with it at such a young age. Not to uh, jump around too much, but you are trying out another sport right now. And that sport <laughs> is running. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Does running give you the same vibes? I love, love, love running. Like I, so it's so funny. Cause I've never been like a runner. I've never, um, really ran like that far. And, uh, this year I've been like super into it and I've realized it's made me feel like mentally better, physically better. And it was funny when I told everyone I was starting to run, like I wanted to run a few marathons. Everyone's like, don't do it. It's going to like be bad for your surfing. You can't, you know, um, can't do two things. It's just not going to be enough. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. And like, I felt like I'm surfing way better. My cardio feels amazing. Uh, it's pretty, I don't know. I, I really like it. Like if I don't go running, it's the same feeling that I get when I'm not surfing. I'm like, a little more ADHD. Like I gotta go, I gotta go, but I really like it. So your experience is that the two actually intertwine and complement each other quite well. Yes. Cause I was a little worried when I was hearing that. Cause I was like, Oh, that doesn't they're like your body's going to like not get used to it. You know, it's bad on your knees. Like you hear all these things and you're like, okay. And surfing's already so hard on your knees cause you're in weird positions. But I was like, no, I train so much. Like I have a very healthy body. I, I want to do this. So when I started training, I was like, wow, I feel really good. Like I feel a little more agile. Like I felt like a little cheetah (laughs) and like watching my speed go up. Like at first I was running really slow for myself. I was running like 11 to 12 minutes and I was like, man, this is taking me some time to run a couple miles. And just seeing the progression has been like the coolest part for me. Like I feel like there's little milestones that I've been hitting and um, I ran like a 
four mile at seven minute and 30 seconds. And I was like, wow, over a few months, like the progression has been so fun. Even I remembered it. I'm like four, four miles, seven minutes, but it really, um, it was so fun to see the progress. Yeah. And as you should be proud of that, right? That's such a great accomplishment. And the accomplishment also within itself is showing up for yourself to try something that you had heard all of these things, all of these preconceived notions that you had that you pushed to the side and you said, you know what, I'm going to try this for myself. Yeah. I just, I love putting myself out of my comfort zone. Like surfing is my comfort zone, but running is not. So I just love trying something new and having it I just feel like it's made my life way more positive. I've loved running with my friends. I've gotten like pretty much nine of my close friends that have never ran are all running now. So it's been really fun. Like it's just cool to see my sister. She had like a bad foot. Now she's running. She runs every day. So it's really fun to see everyone like come together. And that's why I love running and like the community because I feel like it's like surfing in the community. Everyone does it to uplift each other. To double click on what you said about feeling a little bit nervous, maybe to try something new for someone listening to this who may be interested in trying something new, whether it is within sport or beyond sport, what advice would you offer to them to get over that introductory hurdle? It's so funny. It's going to sound so cheesy, but I wanted to say, just go for it. Like if you're trying you're not failing. If you were to be like, no, I'm too scared or like, oh, I don't want to run. I'm, I'm too slow or whatever. I was thinking to myself, like I just was like, you know what? I'm going to try this and do my best. And that's what I've done. And I think everyone should just try something that's out of their comfort zone because you grow and you learn and you realize how you talk to yourself. Like that was a big one for me when I was running. I was like, wow, there's a lot of mental dialogue going on here that I maybe should pay attention to or see how I'm feeling. And yeah, I think that um, if you want to try it, just just go for it. Just go for it. Interesting that you took note of the mental dialogue in running in that way. Do you not feel as though that same mental dialogue comes into play within surfing? Or do you believe that now you've been surfing for so long that maybe it's not as apparent? For sure. Like that, I feel like for surfing, it's my happy place and where I feel like myself. So nothing really goes on into my head. I feel so free. But running, you know, I'm definitely out of my comfort zone. I'm pushing myself. It's it's a different type of like tired and surfing. I can surf for eight hours and be like, that was a great day. If I ran for eight hours, you would probably not see me for a week. I would be like, I got to hide in my house. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I just realized like when you're in that running or when you're listening to music, um, you really talk to yourself way more. Or like I think to myself like, oh, I feel good today or I don't feel good or things just kind of process in my mind. And it's like a similar way to journal for me. Like I, I go through how I'm feeling. Yeah. uh, A lot of people equate the concept of running or the act of running to some form of moving meditation. For you, it's not quite there yet. However, (laughs) that is exactly how you've described your experience with surfing. Now, that experience with surfing and where you are now on the board and in the water, that comfortability didn't happen overnight. Talk to me a little bit about the early stages of your career and when you knew that surfing was going to become way more than just a hobby for you. It was so crazy. I was, I can remember this day. It was like probably my second time I went surfing with my dad and he pushed me and I figured everything out and I like rode the wave from the start to the finish. And I was like, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. So at like four years old, I knew I wanted to be a pro surfer. And when we were in school, everyone would be like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'd be like, I want to be a pro surfer. So I was, I just knew. And 
I think too was kind of funny because back then, right, surfing's now evolved with like the Olympics. There's like it's way more known as a sport, but before people would be like labeling surfing as like a hobby slash stoner, you know, like sport. So it's definitely evolved. But when I was a kid and I would say that everyone be like, you gotta get a real job. And that's what my teachers would always tell me. And I just knew in like my heart that that's what I wanted to do. And I love to compete. I'm ultra competitive. So I just, I just knew at such a young age and I just followed my dream, which is sounds so cliche, but like, I just, I love taking risk and I love, I don't know. I just love doing it. Even if I fail, like I failed so much in surfing and I failed in other areas. But I think if you don't take that risk, you don't know how far you can go. I am talking to you from Brooklyn, New York. So it's almost surprising to me that more young humans in Hawaii aren't saying something like, I want to be a surfer when I grow up. You know, it was weird for a moment. There was a lot of kids that did like right after my generation. I say like, I'm like an old veteran, but you know, like the younger and upper comers, there's a lot more now for a moment. There wasn't a lot of up and coming surfers. And it was kind of like a really sad thing for us. Cause I was like, man, um, you know, where, where is the next generation? And now there's just been so many rippers. It's so cool to see um, every place has a lot of younger kids surfing, you know, now with the wave pools, I feel like our sports evolving a lot. So it's really, really cool. And Hawaii, we're surrounded by water. It's literally the birthplace of surfing. So I feel like everyone has it in their blood here. How did you feel when surfing was added to the Olympics? I know that you just touched on that. I was super, super stoked because I feel like that just puts our sport at such a higher level and elevates it. And, you know, you had Chris on here, someone I looked up to. I just traveled with her to El Salvador to represent Team USA and to represent um, with like a team since surfing is such an individual sport. It's really cool to have that camaraderie and, and everyone supporting each other instead of being like really competitive. So I think that's the coolest part. And yeah, to elevate our sport for sure. Where do you believe that that competitive nature came from for you? Was, was that something that was instilled in you from a young age? Or is that something that you kind of acquired as surfing became so second nature and ingrained in your being? I think, honestly, it all ties down to my small hand because I felt like it had to make me stronger. And I wanted to prove to everyone that I was good enough. And it, it went to surfing where I wanted to prove to everyone that I could beat them, that I was just as equal as them. And um, just because I was different doesn't mean that I couldn't beat them. And I just got really competitive. No matter what I'm doing, like even the runs, I'm like trying to beat my friends. And I'm like, man, one of them, one of them was like in a really fast run. And I'm like, I'm going to beat you. I just need to settle down on the competitiveness. But um, <laughs> also my mom is a little competitive too. She's not like a full ultra sur like sport surf mom, but she's definitely a Tiger mom. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger mom. Did you grow up calling it your small hand? Yes. It's been like the joke of the small hand and um, it still goes like my friends that I've known my whole life, we even call it the small hand. <laughs> yeah. Has calling it the small hand over time made you feel different ways? I think so. I think in the beginning, it was almost like such a hurtful thing to me because people would be like, why do you have that small hand? And then like I looked at it as like I'm so – when I got older, right, like when I was like age 19, I'm like I'm so stoked to have this small hand because it's taught me like to be nice to people and how you can really have an effect on someone, right? Like you don't realize it until someone says mean things to you. You're like, wow, people can really be mean. Like I'm looking at that poster behind you that says be nice to people. I think my hand has taught me like to show compassion and love and um, the small hand has been <laughs> – now is a, a big blessing for sure. When and how did you flip the switch on that? 
I think one day I just got super over it. Like I just got so over like hiding who I was. And I even would tell like the people that I would be dating, like my ex-boyfriend, like, oh, I'm sorry. I have a small hand. Like I was so ashamed of it. And I made the story in my head that I was so different. And like one day I was like, are you kidding me? Like it's such a small thing, but I've made it this like pinnacle in my story of my whole life that I was over it. Like I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I want to – um. And then I was talking to Bethany, my be- one of my best friends. She lost her arm in the shark attack, if you guys don't know. But she was like, you just got to embrace who you are. And I was like, okay. If she's telling me that, you know, she has a huge difference, um, like, compared to me. And she just embraces it. And, I, and she's proud of it. And that really helped me. Just casually dropping that Bethany Hamilton is one of your closest friends. <laughs> Bethany Hamilton, also another pro surfer who, as you mentioned, lost her left arm in a shark attack. It's so interesting to hear you say the words, I made this story in my head. Because at that time, this story in your head, that was your reality, right? So it's extremely yeah. valid that you felt that way. But realizing that you had the opportunity then to shift that narrative going forward, there must have been a lot of power in that. It's so weird. Like I almost it almost leaves me like a little speechless because I I don't know what happened or what clicked, but I just really think like I just built up so much stress about it. Like even I got my first uh job with Under Armour when I was 16 or 17 and I went up to the photographer and I explained to them like please don't capture my left side and and I just I hated that feeling more than I at the time didn't like my small hand. Like I hated having to be like I'm so sorry for being different that I just was like I'm, I'm over it. Like I want to just be proud of who I am and yeah, just kind of like, it's slowly, it's not like overnight I was like, yeah, bam, you know, (laughs) but like over time it's, it's made me, um, really proud of who I am and it's taught me a lot. And I like pretty much think that's why I am who I am. I think there's power in that. Yes. And also an understanding that despite having come so far and feeling so confident in who you are now today, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be moments where you're still frustrated or angry or insert other emotion here because of something that you can't control. I think it helps me with my emotions though, because I've had to like figure it out so much with my hand but like I'm a very emotional person but I think having this has taught me how to balance my emotions like I cry a lot if I'm watching tv and something happens I'm like oh no but it just taught me a lot about empathy and and feeling for people yeah and that's a really special and beautiful quality to have and something to recognize within yourself you mentioned that Under Armour sponsorship I know that they were maybe your token sponsor for a number of years and that relationship dissolved in 2016 talk to me about how that made you feel? Honestly, I was so grateful for them at the time because for me in surfing, everyone usually sticks to like surf sponsorships, right? Like they stick with the Roxy's Billong, but like I was always so drawn to fitness because I felt like in power doing it. I felt like I could, I just felt really good mentally. And that's where I spent a lot of time as a kid even was in the gym. Like if I wasn't surfing, I wanted to be better in surfing. So I would be in the gym. And I just knew that I always wanted to take that path into fitness. So it kind of helped me at a younger age go into that direction. And once I was with Under Armour, like they really, I think, helped me with my career. They introduced me to amazing people like Kelly O'Hara, one of my closest friends. You know, like it's just really cool to be outside of the surf and meet more athletes that aren't so surf. And yeah, I, I have only positive things to say about them. It's really shaped my career. And it was so long ago, I feel like um I was like a, a baby when they did that, but it really – gave me the confidence I needed to like 
chase that fitness side of surfing and tying the two together. What would you say that having sponsors and obtaining sponsorship, what does that do for you in your career? So surfing, we pretty much, unless you're on like the top uh, World World Surf League championship tour, the prize money is amazing on that tour, right? But if you're not on there and you're on the qualifying series or the challenger series, which is trying to get to that level, you rely on your sponsorships 100%. You travel all around the world. It's all international pretty much. You're in Brazil, Portugal, Australia. So you really need sponsors to get you to these events. And if you don't have them, the sport is so expensive. So that's the hardest thing I would say about competitive surfing is it's a really big investment to be traveling to all these places, you know, and you're alone. You're not really um, traveling with the team. You can like travel with a few friends, but you're mostly just uh, traveling by yourself. What has figuring out a way for yourself in the realm of learning how to work with sponsors and whatnot, what has that all taught you? Because knowing that you need the support to do what you love, I'm sure there's a lot of emotion tied in that frustration sometimes. So what has that part of the journey really taught you? You know, what's so funny. So my mom and dad own a shop on Kauai. Uh, It's called Hawaiian Trading Post. And I've literally worked there since I was like five years old till I was like 16, I would always be at the shop and always like selling things with my mom. And I think that that just taught me how to be a hard worker. And like every time I've had a sponsorship, I want to work as hard as I can for them to make sure that they're super happy and it's beneficial for for both. So I think that kind of was distilled into me in a young age. Like it's not what the company, like what you can do for the company is what you should really be trying to do. And that's kind of what my mom instilled in me. So I've just learned to like work with a bunch of different people and, um, I'm really, really grateful because all the companies I work with, I really believe in. And that's a huge thing for me. Like I don't endorse any alcohol products because I don't drink. Like I really keep it um, 100% true to who I am. And it might sound like super old school because I know some people are like, oh, just take it. You know, it's not a long career, but it really means a lot to me to like represent companies that align with myself. Yeah. And now, as you mentioned, being part of the U.S. national team, you've been surfing for quite some time and starting more recently, I would argue, are getting some of the the recognition that you deserve. How does it feel to have been in the game for so long at this point? And what have you learned about that concept of longevity here? It's definitely um, a marathon, not a sprint for sure. There's a lot of hurdles. I'm going to tie in all the words here. Uh, (laughs) There's been so many times, like I remember telling one of my best friends like three years ago that I don't think surfing competitively is for me because I was just like investing so much time, so much money, so everything of my life. Like for one point, I wasn't even dating because I was like, I just want to be the world champ. Like I just had crazy tunnel vision, which it was almost unhealthy uh, just because I lost like balance in my life. But it just taught me to just keep going. There's been so many doors that closed on me and I just kept pushing through and pushing through. And um, my, I don't know, I just really feel like it's taught me so much about just keep persevering because it's going to happen. Like, it's such a cheesy thing to be like, just keep, you know, when one door closes, but it's so true. Like, I used to get so bummed if like a sponsorship didn't continue or something or something happened where I lost a contest, but I just never gave up and um, I just kept pushing, pushing through. (laughs) What's been one of the most difficult doors that closed that you had to figure out another way? Honestly, during COVID, it was really tough uh, because our tour went on a complete hold, right? So we weren't competing. 
and I lost a bunch of sponsors all at once. And I, I, at that age, right, that was a few years ago, I was still a little, I've done a lot of self work, but uh, I was just tied so much to the companies. I'm like, well, if I don't have a sponsor, I'm not valued. I'm not, um, I'm not good enough. So there was so many things that were going on in my head when that happened. And then to lose like a chunk at a time, I was like, wow, I really am not good enough. I shouldn't be doing this. What should I do next? Like, it just was a really low point for me because I realized how much um, value of myself I put in was having these sponsors. I was like really, really aligning myself to like think, I don't know, it was just a really tough time. So definitely COVID and um, it taught me a lot for sure. You mentioned doing the work and I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear about how you navigated that tough time, feeling as though the rug was being pulled out from under you. How did you deal with stress in that time period? I dealt with it by literally surfing every day. Like I was so stressed out. Um, it was a weird feeling like one week went by and like seven companies didn't continue with me. And I just was pulling the stickers off my board and I'm like, wow, this, this is, this is the real deal. Like even if they're pausing for now, I just, it happened so quickly. I just had to adapt. And I think that that really just taught me like when things go bad, there's always a silver lining, even if you don't see it at the time. Like at that time I was like, man, I don't think I can do this anymore. There was rumors about they're not going to be any more contests ever. Like it just felt like all of our lives just changed overnight, which a lot of people did. Right. So I would just trying to navigate what was going on. And I just kept being like, no, this is what I want to do. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. And I, I took a pause for a little bit because everyone did. But um, it just taught me once things started getting back on track, I really wanted to be with more companies that support me in good or bad times because that was a really hard time. And I was like, man, this is this is a big slap in the face. I kind of felt like my whole life I was working for something and it just didn't didn't go well. So relatable, right? So many of us can truly uh, put ourselves in your shoes, whether or not it had to do with surfing. That was just such an uncertain time for so many. Now you did talk about doing the work. I love the phrase, the work. We all use it. We all talk about (laughs) how we're doing it. But in your case, what did doing the work look like? For me, it was a lot of meditating and journaling and just kind of sitting with myself. Like I have a hard time like being alone. I love to have people around me all the time, but I realized I think I needed to spend more time with myself and that's what it forced me to do because I didn't like to sit with my thoughts and be like, oh my gosh, this is stressful or how am I feeling? But it's so easy to run away from how you feel and, and hang out with people or have just like a distraction. But when you sit with yourself and you really realize how you're feeling, that's where all I feel like the self-work comes from. And um, that's really what I, I really just did a lot of meditation and sound bowls. Like I have sound bowls in my house. I just wanted to find out who I was and what kind of person I wanted to be outside of surfing. Cause my whole life I uh, valued how I was with how I was competing. And when we weren't competing, I was like, wow, I am actually happy. I, I feel whole, I feel good. I, I don't need these contests to make me feel like a winner or a loser. Well, that was going to be my next question is what did you learn about yourself when you finally embraced that silence? (laughs) Silence is scary, but it's really good because you see, you learn so much. But I just learned that um, about myself was that I needed to stop like caring so much about what people think. And I think that just stems from like my little hand. And also it goes to when I would do bad at contests, like all these things that I was holding in and I was like letting that dictate my self-worth. And when I would sit by myself, I'd be like, you know what? 
I don't care how people remember me as long as I'm like a good person and I want someone to leave a conversation with me feeling better, not me making them feel worse. So that's what I learned. Mm. That's the, the person I wanted to be. I didn't want to just be named as like this pro surfer. I wanted to be named as like, she's she's cool. She's nice. Taking a break from today's episode with Brianna to give some love to my friends at Strava. I'm geeked to be... <laughs> reciting a mid-roll ad read right now from this company because it is truly a product that I use almost every single day. For those of you that are unaware of what Strava is, think of it as a social network for all things activity. On Strava, your runs and rides, they aren't just workouts, they're epic adventures just waiting to be shared. You can track your progress, challenge your friends, snag what they call to be kudos. Think of that as Facebook, meta, whatever you want to call it, likes, and discover new routes that even your GPS didn't know existed. That's probably one of my favorite things about the platform, especially for someone who travels so much. When I go to a new city, a new place, I can open my Strava app and find out what are the most popular routes in the area. I can differentiate them by mileage. I can see what time of day they are most traversed. It's truly such a major, major help. Plus, I also love it for connection and community. There's even a hurdler group over there. I'm going to link that group in the show notes. I'd love for you to join us. Now, I have some exciting, exciting news for you. You may be using the free version of Strava, but you're about to get an upgrade because they've got a special deal just for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to strava.com slash hurdle30 and you'll get a free 30-day Strava subscription. Again, that link is strava.com slash hurdle30. And by upgrading yourself for free, you'll get workout analysis, personalized route suggestions, community leaderboards, goal tracking, group challenges with friends, <laughs> so many things. I'm a huge fan, and I know you will be too. Again, that link, strava.com slash hurdle 30. Also, got to give some love to my friends at Gooder, the maker of my favorite sunglasses that are polarized, no bounce, no scratch, and a whole lot of fun. I mentioned I'm constantly on the go, and the best part about Gooders is that they can move with me, whether I'm out on a run or I'm running out the door to go to meet a friend for coffee, drinks, whatever the case may be. They've got stylish looking frames for every occasion. My go-to style, the Operation Blackout, has literally been in my rotation for years now, and I do not leave home without it. So, of course, I'm bringing you an offer. Gooder wants to get some shades in your hands, and they're going to help you out by offering you free shipping. So head on over to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use the code hurdle at checkout to get free shipping on your next order. Again, that's gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle to get free shipping on your sunglasses today. And that wanting to leave a positive imprint on people arguably comes from your experiences with people leaving less than a stellar impact on you, yeah. making you feel as though you were lesser than because, again, of this thing that you could not change. Yeah. And I think that that's all what my 
real calling in life was. And maybe it was from surfing that has given me this platform, of course, to like um, reach people. But I just want to be able to, I don't know, I, I don't ever like making someone feel crappy. So that's one thing like out of surfing. I just want to make people feel happy and help them find like their happy place. Yeah. Yeah. Who makes you feel happy right now? Who makes me feel happy right now? I would say all my friends and my family. Um, I just love, love feeling with positive energy and like I'm big into people's energy and like what I surround myself with and how I just like go with my everyday life. I sound a little hippie-ish, I'm sorry, but I'm really big into to energy and just like making sure the people you spend your time with are people that make you feel better or that uplift you. So that's an energy cool. faucet instead of an energy drain. Yes. You need to just be around. Like there's nothing better when all your friends leave in your home and you're like, yeah, I'm rejuvenated, you know, instead of being like, oh, thank gosh they left. <laughs> <laughs> thank God they're out of here and I could be alone again. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you say uh, that extra energy comes from for you right now as you are gearing up to run the New York City Marathon? So it's actually super special. Um, I'm running the marathon for charity for Haymakers for Hope, and it's for cancer research. And one of my really good friends, Mike, he uh, just beat brain cancer. And he had like a – he's young. He's like 30 – 32. And he just really inspired me. So like every time I'm running, I really dedicate my runs to him because after all the things he's been through, he was so positive. He like made the craziest, he would text me during all my contests, even if he was in chemotherapy and be like, I'm watching. And he would be having like the toughest time, right? Like I just put myself in his shoes and he still had the positivity and like would send me these really nice texts when he was going through chemo, he was wearing Aloha shirts and like making it like fun. So when I'm running, I'm like, this is for him. I'm dedicating it to him. And, and, um, I just, every time I'm running, I just think about him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just as he inspires you to your credit, you inspire so many people as someone who maybe before this year didn't necessarily identify as a runner. What advice would you offer to someone else who's taking on something new like this? Oh man, I think just charge full force. Like see it, like just have fun. I don't know. It's it's so different for me. Like when I when I'm running, I don't spend a lot of time on the concrete. I don't like spend a lot of time really I'm in the water all the time. So I feel like just just go for it and try a challenge. Like if you don't put yourself in somewhere you are not supposed to be or where you're not used to being, you can't grow. And I've grown so much uh, running, which sounds so funny because you're like just running, but the things that you accomplish when you're running and seeing you seeing yourself like get better or um, pushing yourself on days you don't want to run. Like, you know, today I'm going to surf and then I'm going to run. And I don't feel like running today. I'm a little sore from yesterday. But you realize you just grow so much when you do th things that you're not used to doing. Yeah, it's really, again, going back to that conversation about stretching your comfort zone. I know that you did complete uh, your first half marathon, not all that long ago. It's a big year in terms of adding mileage for you. It's a big year. And that one was pretty funny. It's called hell on the hill. So you go in a circle up and down a hill for that amount of time. And I was like, might as well try that. Like, that's going to be a fun one. And I had so much fun. Like I was like, this is sick. I love it. Like I loved, every I love being surrounded by people that push themselves like that. And when you're running, you're pushing yourselves. And especially a marathon, half, any type of running you're doing, you're pushing yourself 
because I swear you finish and you're like, this is the best thing ever. But during you're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, what most people for their first half marathon don't do something that has a zillion hills in it. I just like to go extreme. <laughs> well, you are picking a great first marathon to do in terms of New York City. Now, I know that you're partnering also with Strava on this. So you're really, you're going all in. I'm going all in. And it's pretty funny too, because I was worried about posting my times. I'm like, man, they're going to think I'm slow <laughs> or they're not going to think I'm going long enough. But um, it's been so fun tracking everything because I figure out where I like to run. And like I ran my first 18 miles the other day and I felt so, I was like, felt so accomplished. I felt like I already ran the marathon. I'm like, man, if you would have asked me a year ago, if I was going to run 18 miles, I would have laughed at you. I'd have been like, no, <laughs> thank you. But uh, it's been super fun and super fun seeing the progress and I'm running with my best friend and my other two friends from New York. So it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, see, look at you already having a great community when it comes to running. I love it. I love any type of community that brings each other and uplifts each other because I think that's what we should all do. We should always be cheering each other on instead of tearing each other down. It seems as though that is like what has been the missing link for you when it comes to surfing. Like I know there is community and love within the sport, but it is generally speaking such a solo undertaking. Yes, it's so solo. Like honestly, I've done it my whole life and I would say like I have five close friends from surfing, which is out of like hundreds of female surfers or male surfers, I have five core friends and um which is totally different because like in running, I feel like it's a full community and working out, it's a full community. It's different when you're doing a, a solo sport because it's so hard to be so close with someone that you want to be, especially like if it's like your livelihood and how you survive, you, it's hard to be friends with them because you want to be yeah. there and you can't, you can separate it, but it, it's, it's really hard to, at least for me. What would you say your biggest goals are now within your specific sport? My biggest goal would definitely be to get a really big pipeline or backdoor wave this year. That's my biggest goal. Um, I want a really big wave this year. So I've been training for it. I feel like my cardio has been great for running from running. And uh, that's the biggest goal. And for someone that's unfamiliar what that actually means, can you flesh it out a little bit? Of course. So pipelines a world, one of the world's like deadliest waves. It's a huge wave in Hawaii on the North shore. It's really famous and it breaks on pretty much dry reef like it's really shallow uh it's really dangerous but it's like the best most strongest I would say like barrel that you could get and I've just been super called to it after being in the Vans Pipe Masters last year and I really really want to get a good wave this winter and that's my biggest goal and it's weird to not have like a competitive goal with surfing right now I I really want to have like a more spiritual goal with surfing and getting like a bigger wave you so casually just said words like very dangerous, shallow water, risk, etc. And you're so excited about that. How like, do you remember when you stopped? Like, when did that fear go away for you around these things? Man, I feel like I have so much trust in the ocean. Maybe like, that's a good and bad thing. But I love risk. I love getting scared. I love putting myself in uncomfortable positions. Like last year was really, really big for me, which was like 20 foot faces at pipeline. And I was crying my eyes out before. And I was like, I don't want to go out. I'm scared. Talk to Bethany. Don't mean to name drop her, but, um, she like gave me a little pep talk 
and it really helped. And when I got out of the water, I felt so alive. And that just like sparked something in my brain. My sister was like, I've never seen you that happy. And I was like, yeah, I just really want to like, I really want to get a big wave. And that's been my goal all year. So I can't wait. I love risk. I love, (laughs) I feel like I feel so alive when I'm like in a dangerous place. It's probably not a good thing. (laughs) But that's what they call alignment, right? When you feel as though you are acting in purpose on purpose, you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, regardless of what anybody else thinks about the thing that you're doing, the goal that you're going after, right? It's how you feel in that moment, how you feel chasing these otherwise frightening situations. (laughs) I, it's so weird. I feel like I don't want to say like I was called to it, but I just feel like so alive and I just, I really want to do it. And I have so much trust in like my ability in the water that I know I'll be fine, but I probably won't tell my mom until I'm like done with the goal. <laughs> so mom, don't listen oh to my God. I know you don't want to scare them too much. It's, it's also interesting talking or hearing you talk about not having a certain like other category of goal, right? Like you have this goal to hit this pipeline, but other than that, you're not talking big competitions or even necessarily Olympics, right? Yeah. Why do you feel as though, and I don't want to put more words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing you say is that your goal to some might quote unquote, not be big enough. Yeah, for sure. Cause I'm not like, Oh, I want to, you know, my whole life, of course, the goal is to win a world title, be an Olympic athlete and win all these contests. But when I've done my, I've dedicated my whole life to it. I've been competing since I was 11 years old. I just turned 29. I really just wanted to take a step back from competing and kind of figure out what else makes me happy, happy. And what else do I get that alive feeling from? And right now I feel like it's from surfing big waves and surfing things that are doing things that challenge myself, right? The marathon's a big goal of mine. Um, Pipeline's a big goal of mine. Like the goals are changing and it's just not so competition based, which is totally different because last year I would have been like to win, to do this. Like I'm just finding way more happiness doing other things. And I love to compete, but um, I just don't feel like that right now. I just maybe need a little break. (laughs) You're moving the goalposts and you're not shooting on yourself, which I would say is a really hard thing for a lot of individuals. For sure. When I decided like to take a little step back, like I am still competing. I I just competed in El Salvador with Carissa. So I can't say like, oh, I'm taking a full step back. But I just wanted to see like how I felt not doing the full tour, right? Like if I was competing full time, I would be doing this in Brazil right now. We'd be talking in Brazil. But I just was like, uh, last year, I just felt so burnt out at events. And I just was like, why am I? Why am I here? And I talked about this on like the surf girl show we did with Amazon that like, I just felt so burnt, like sad. I was just like, I feel sad every time I compete. And I was just like, I'm throwing these pity parties for myself. I'm super over it. Like, I don't like to do that. Like, I'm, I don't like to be in that sad place. And I realized I was just doing like so much and trying for this goal so much. And I wasn't obtaining it that it was just eating me alive inside. That sounds really depressed, but depressing, (laughs) but I just needed a little break and, um, to find what truly makes me happy. What I'm hearing you say is that you're listening to yourself and the amount of growth and like personal responsibility and ownership over self that all of this takes to be upfront with the fact that like things are different now and different doesn't mean bad and I can still be great as I ebb and I flow and I pivot with the goalposts. That's truly admirable. 
thank you. It, it was, I felt like really silly at first being, telling everyone like, oh, I just don't know if I want to compete. And I was so worried, like how people would judge me and like, oh, are you even still a pro surfer? But I just, I couldn't do it to myself anymore when I would be in surf competitions and I would literally be asking myself in the water, why am I out here? I don't like this. I don't feel, I don't feel good doing it. And I just felt like I was taking so many losses and surfing is an amazing sport but the competitive side is you're surfing against mother nature there's heats where there's 25 minutes where you do not catch a wave like you rely on nature and I just felt like I wasn't aligning myself with nature and I maybe wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing I was just forcing myself forcing myself because I had these goals that I weren't reaching and I just was like I need a little break. I'm, I'm burned. And my friends and my family were just like, you just seem super sad all the time. Like, especially when I'd come back from contests, I would just be like, oh man, like this is, this is bummer. And, um, I just didn't like how I was feeling. So I wanted a break. Are you enjoying the journey of training for the marathon? I love it. It's See? so fun. And that's, but that's an indication, right? That's an indication that you're doing something that's in alignment with where you're at. If you're putting all of your energy into this journey that doesn't feel like it's serving you, yeah. you do have to take that step back and be like, what am I doing here? Because the destination isn't going to be awesome if the journey was hell. Well, that's my whole thing. Cause I remember, um, I think I was talking to, I can't remember who it was. And I was like, I made the final last year at sunset, which is a huge event. And I, I didn't feel any, any joy. So I was like, this is kind of scary. Like, and then I got invited to the um, dancing and I felt a lot more joy there. Cause I was like, yeah, I can't wait to pull in. But I just felt like even reaching that goal. And the year before I was second in Hawaii, still didn't care. Like, I just was like, I don't feel happy during this. And I didn't realize it until the last contest in, in Florida, uh, last year I was, it was no waves. It was completely flat. There was like a hurricane right before. And I was like, I need a break from this. This is too much stress. Um, I just felt like I was not the person I wanted to be. I didn't want to be like a caddy competitive female surfer. Like I want to beat all you guys. I just wanted to just be happy, like doing what I love not surfing. Yeah. The pivot. I like the pivot. The pivot. I respect the pivot. You mentioned surf girls on Amazon. How did taking on that project feel for you? I was actually really nervous at first, to be honest, because I did uh, the ultimate surfer with ABC and that was like full reality. And I don't think I would ever want to do that again. Just like reality was not for me. <laughs> uh, but I was really nervous. And then I talked to them about what the show was going to be. And they really were like, we just want to capture you guys in your element and show women empowerment. And it was so cool because two of my best friends were on the show and we just kind of had a lot of fun. And there was so many trials and errors in that show that like we all went through. And I think it taught all of us like that at the end of the day, at least we have each other to uplift each other. And that's where I, I kind of was <laughs> when I was competing prior to that. I just felt like I was not a good competitive person. I just felt super grouchy at like all my competitors. And I didn't I didn't like that feeling. And I just realized I just wasn't happy in myself. So I didn't want to be um, surrounded by that anymore. What changed for you after filming that, if anything? Um, nothing, nothing too like, uh, nothing really. I didn't, I didn't watch the show. <laughs> I can't watch myself on TV or anything. I, I cringe at myself. I'm like really hard on myself. But um, it, it was super cool to see all the positive. Um, we got a lot of positive feedback from it. It was really cool to see everyone really stoked. And my whole thing was, I'm so glad that there was a lot of women empowerment because I feel like we need that 
especially in the individual sport. So I was really, really happy. And um, hopefully we get a season two. And it was nice because it was actually our real life. It wasn't planned or plotted or anything. (laughs) They literally just came and hung out with us. You talked so beautifully about the excitement that you have about being able to make a positive impact on others. How does it feel as more and more people become familiar with your story and start following along? I have the the craziest impact and the, probably the highlight of my whole year actually just happened like two weeks ago. I had this little girl named Hayden reach out to me. She has an identical hand to me and she found out through the show and like through um, – that and I met her actually in California for the Supergirl contest. And I spent the day with her. I had her come watch the contest. We were high fiving. She had like a sign up. It was so cute. And um I lost like the third round, I can't remember. And she was on the beach and like just so excited that like I didn't care about the contest. I don't I didn't I was like, this is my this is the best thing that I could do like for myself and and for her. As selfish as it sounds, like it really made me feel like wow, this is so cool. Like surfing has taught you and showed you that you can help someone. And like, that's my biggest goal. And the parents sent me like a super cool text message. We have like these matching bracelets now. And, and that was the highlight. And that's something I'm so grateful about the show for, because I was able to share my story and, and they let it share. Like it was truth for who I am instead of being like, Oh, you know, make this sad story by your hand. They're like, tell us, (laughs) tell us how you feel. And, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful for that moment for sure. So talking and being um, open to more people is something that feels purposeful and good for you. Yeah, I, I that feeling and seeing that little girl like just so pumped and it just really made my whole, I want to say like whole year. I was like, wow, that was such a cool moment. And her dad told me like they had never seen her this happy. And like for me to have that input on someone is I would never think that that was possible, honestly. Like I just want to leave someone smiling. I didn't know I could like have that capability to like really help that little girl. And that was, um, that was more than any, like anything I could ask for. When you think about how you want to feel on marathon morning, what comes to mind? I want to feel excited for sure. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I actually have no idea how I'm going to feel. And I feel like there's like so much lead up to it. Like I've been training so hard, but then I'm kind of like, I just want to go for the ride on this. Like I want to stop and I love New York. I want to look around. Like I feel like it it's the most beautiful marathon because you get to run through this such an energetic city and I just want to have no AirPods. I just want to feel the the love and I I, I can't wait. I I'm a little nervous for sure. I'm like, what if I can't do it? If you weren't <laughs> nervous towing the starting line for your first marathon, I would argue that you're not human. No, I'm nervous. I was just talking to Ellie from Shava yesterday and I was like, definitely getting the little butterflies. Like it's the same feeling as, as competing, but it's so special because I'm not, I'm not going to win the thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. Like to not be like, I can't wait. Like having the pressure, like for surfing, I had the pressure to like win this. I just have the pressure to compete and and finish. So I'm like, but, um, I love the training. I love how I feel running and I'm really, really excited. Someone goes to your Instagram page, they see a surfer who is super passionate about her sport and loving life in Hawaii. But when you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Oof, this is a deep question. I feel like the mirror, mirror on the wall. I don't, I just want to be a good person when I look in the mirror. Yeah. And that's what I hope to share on my, on my Instagram. But again, 
everyone's always like, you're so positive. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, I do my best, of course, but we all have our, our struggles. And I just don't like to post negative things or like what I'm going through. Maybe I should so that people know, but, um, yeah, that's, I look at myself and I hope that I can be a better person every day. Whether it's what do you do on the days that you don't feel like super positive or optimistic or shiny? Like yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday, yeah, sure. I, it was a really tough day. I haven't felt like that in a little while. I was like, man, what am I doing? I just felt so like torn. Some of my friends are competing in Brazil right now. So I had a little bit of that FOMO. And then I was like, what am I making the right decisions? But what I do to cheer myself up is I hang out with either my friends or family or I go surfing or I sauna and ice. I I try not to let myself throw pity parties. Like that's a big thing for me. Um, I really don't like to like feel sorry for myself. And I think as I spent so much of my time feeling sorry for myself as a kid with my little hand that now I'm just like, let's knock this off and let's do something. Let's cope with it in another way. So I hang with my friends or um, I don't know. I just try to like hang with, I have a lot of rescue animals. So I do spend time with them, but some days are harder than others. So just finding a way to, I don't know, spend, spend time and cheer yourself up. Can you tell me about your rescue animals? Yes, I have like a zoo. I have four rescue cats and two rescue dogs. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have Zoom calls and like my cat just like walks through, but I might have I might have made them stay in the room because you weren't like, what's that noise? But uh, my dog, my two dogs, one was abused, um, an abused hunting dog. So when I first got him, I had to sit with him underneath the bed. Like he would stay there for about six months and finally would come up to eat. And then the other dog I had named Buddy, he was starved from three days away from dying. So when I got him, I had to like lift him up and uh, take him to the bathroom and stuff because he had no energy. And they are my pride and joys. They're my little babies. How long have you had them? Uh, two. I've had Reggie for two and a half years and I've had Buddy for a year and a half. The way that we wind down on Hurdle right now, if you had the opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice back when you were younger, dealing with the bullying in elementary and middle school, knowing what you know now, having your current perspective, what advice would you tell yourself during that Hurdle moment? I would constantly tell myself to love myself and like embrace who I am. That's the one advice that I wish I could which I knew then because at that time I didn't love myself and I thought I was weird. So that's my, my biggest advice. And if you're going through bullying, just love yourself and be who you are. Be who you are. I'm so happy that we're able to do this, Brianna. For those that don't follow you just yet on social media, how do they keep up with you? Give us the details. Give us the tea. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just Brianna Cope, nothing crazy. And yeah, that's it. I'm excited. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for letting me be the second surfer. (laughs) Second surfer. (laughs) I'm sure not the last. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.